0: So, uh, you may remember, um, maybe a distant memory by now, but when I started this uh, Overview of the Bible series, I asked you this question, which was, what are your beliefs based on? What's your source of truth? Because the goal of the Overview of the Bible series was to move us from a foundationless faith where most of what we believe is kind of what we've made up in our gut, so to speak, Um, and to transition that to a faith that is based on the best source of truth that we have about the metaphysical world that is available to us, which is the Bible. And so after many, many weeks of kind of tearing apart the scriptures, where do you feel like you're at now? What do you feel like is your base, your center, your foundation? Has anything at all changed for you? We uh, started this series five months ago with these words. In the beginning, God. It all started in that moment when God reached down from the heavens and he formed this man, this first person from the dust. But the Bible makes it very clear that that was not alive until God himself breathed into that man the breath of life, God's breath. And when that happened, that is the moment that we became alive. In that moment, all of human life was suddenly set apart from the rest of creation because we weren't just formed by God. We weren't just a living creature. We weren't just alive. We're spiritual. The spirit of God flows inside of it. It's, it's his breath that flows in my lungs. It's his breath that flows into those empty spaces of our lives that make us who we are. Spiritual beings who were created for something more than just this world. And even though we may intellectually know that, we may have come to an understanding about that throughout this series, that doesn't mean we we don't still fight it. Right? We fight that side of our lives. Somehow, and I'm not sure how this is, but somehow our spirituality doesn't feel natural to us. It's so uncomfortable to talk about or to embrace or to do anything spiritual. And so because of that, we lose our connection with God. And now it just becomes easier as the years go by to just go through the motions of life, do the daily grind without doing anything even remotely spiritual. I think the thing that had the most profound impact on me in this series is that you just look at these generations of people who have gone before us. Right? I mean, people who have lived and died and lived and died and some lived brilliantly. But most, let's be honest, screwed it up pretty badly. And Generation after generation after generation, and you can't help when you look at all of those who have gone on before us to realize, you know what, I'm not as big and magnificent as I've made up in my head. The universe really doesn't revolve around me. It's a reminder that I am part of this generation, and this generation will one day. Pass and be just another generation in the memory of another generation. That I'm part of something that is way bigger than just me. Something that goes beyond the realms of this world. But the question that I have for us this morning is this Is it too late for me, for us, to truly? Rediscover our spiritual selves. I would love to be able to interview the Creator and ask what the heck this is all about. Mm-hmm. I uh, I would contend this though that I think that the number one reason that our spirituality feels so uncomfortable, and I hope I'm not just imposing my feeling on you. Um, that there's probably a large majority of us where the the spiritual part of us feels uh, not normal or comfortable to us. But I think that the main reason for that is because, whether conscious or unconscious, and probably more unconscious, that we've made a decision to live counter to the way we were created to live. That every day we wake up, and it's probably an unconscious decision, that... Unconsciously, we decide that we will fill up our day with something other than the stuff of God. And so our days are filled with the stuff of work, the stuff of business, the stuff of kids, the stuff of just errands, or the stuff of just nothingness. But whatever it is for you I'm going to guess that it's not even remotely close to resembling anything spiritual. That we're filled with something different than we were intended to be filled with. And so then the question is, how then do we live differently? How can we change the purpose and the outcome of our life from just walking through the daily grind to walking with God every day? Where there is this everyday understanding and there is this comfort where we embrace the spiritual side of who we are. That I am truly made a spiritual person. I believe it's living for God with such a passion that it goes way beyond just the going through the motions of doing religion which is really what the point of this Overview of the Bible series is, so that we could begin to take a serious look at our faith and really challenge ourselves and our beliefs and understanding we're not playing games here. Like This is something that we're doing that is very real. And it's not just a Sunday morning thing, it's an everyday thing. It's about pouring your whole being into something. Because we're all going to fill our lives with stuff, and the question is, what stuff will you fill your life with? What are you filled up with right now? So, I guess I'd like to just wrap up this series by just challenging us to what to do with all of this that we've talked about and learned over the last several months, and I just want to do it by going back to the Old Testament and telling you a story that I think um, is a great metaphor for how it is um, that we can figure this out. In, in the ancient times of, of kings and prophets and plagues and, and droughts comes a story about how God works in our lives. And there was this guy named Elisha, who was a prophet of God, a great prophet, and he had a, almost like a direct line to God. And, and God directed Elisha to go to the home of this poor old widow and her sons, where they were on the verge of their lives just completely falling apart. And when it looked like she was going to lose everything, God shows up in the form of Elisha. And so this morning we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 4, And it says that the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he loved God. But now, his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Now, it certainly seems that this woman has had a pretty hard life. And... Really? I think she has every right to be resentful. I mean, her husband was a faithful follower of God. He served God faithfully. Sounds like he served alongside with Elisha. And look where it got him. He's dead. She's broke. And she's about to lose her kids. I mean, it's a sad situation. Have you ever been in a place where you just feel like Your prayers fall on deaf ears. That God just isn't there. That he just isn't showing up for you. This is the way that she felt in this moment. This widow had her back up against the wall, and she had no means of earning any income, and so the bank was coming to not only take her home, but in those days, in order to pay off debt, if you didn't have any money, they would take your kids and put them into slavery to work off that debt until the debt was fully paid. Which doesn't sound like all that bad of a plan to me. You can, you can tell those of us who still have children in the basement. But Elisha replied, how can I help you? Tell me what it is that you have in your house. Well, what kind of question is that? What do you have in your house? When you ask God to come into your life, you have to be prepared for that question. What do you have in your house? What are you all filled up with? How much capacity do you have? God standing at the door. How much capacity, how much room do you have for me to move in? What's your life full of? Is it so filled up with the wrong stuff that you can't fill up your life anymore with anything, especially with a passion for God? So I'm sure that this Widow was thinking to herself, good prophets must be really hard to come by these days because this one's a little slow. She just told him, I don't have anything. But then all of a sudden, it says that she stops and says, there's nothing here at all except I do have this small jar of olive oil. Now, here's where the story takes a little twist because just when you think all is hopeless, This woman gives God something to work with. This woman comes up with a small jar of oil. Now, oil in that day was uh, used as currency because it was looked upon as a precious commodity, much like gold is thought of today. It could actually be traded. And so this woman had this tiniest amount of oil that represented the last of anything of any value That she owned. One thing about God working in us, like that small boy with the five loaves and the two fish, he uses whatever it is that we have. He can work with that. And it's never too small for God. Well, receiving his direction from God, Elisha told her to do something very strange. And so in verse 3, it says that uh, Elisha told her to go around. Ask all your neighbors for empty jars. And don't just ask for a few, he says. And then, when you get them, go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, empty out all the oil you have into all of these new jars, and as each one is filled, put it to one side. I imagine that this widow is probably thinking that Elisha is a little nuts, really. That, or, or maybe she just had a lot more faith than I would have in this situation. But, I mean, what a strange thing to ask of her, to go around to all of her neighbors. And, and if you're living in poverty and you know your creditors are coming, you don't want to, like, go and have your neighbors know your business, right? So she used to go around to the entire neighborhood and borrow as many jars, empty jars. What a strange request. Get as many empty jars as she could get her hands on. And then to empty out this tiny little bit of oil that she has and to pour it out into all of these jars that she's collected. Don't underestimate what a huge act of faith this is. I mean, this is the little bit of oil. This is all that she has left. That oil is probably what pays for the last bit of food that she can afford to put together a last meal before she becomes homeless and her her, uh, children are taken from her. It took guts. You know, what struck me about this is it, it really seems like to me that the one time that I have the strongest faith, the one time that I am willing to do whatever it is that God asked me to do is when I have no other options. Is when my back is up against the wall and I don't know where else to turn, so I might as well do what God asked me to do. Well, the thing about God working in us is he doesn't much care about what the neighbors think or just how crazy what we're doing may seem to everybody else. He just asks us to do what he asks us to do. And to do that thing wholeheartedly. You see, these empty jars, they're like a metaphor for our lives. A jar that is empty has very little value. A jar that is filled with the wrong stuff has negative value. But a jar that is full of something precious, something that has great value, that's something worth cherishing. But before we can even do that, before we can even fill our jars with what God wants us to fill it with, Just as important is emptying our jar of the wrong stuff in order to create capacity. We have to create capacity for God in our lives. Well, it goes on in uh, verse 5, and it says that she left him, and she shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought all the jars into her, and she poured out the oil. That she had in all these jars and she kept pouring and pouring this little bit of oil and pouring. Until all the jars were full. And she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And when he said that, the oil stopped flowing. So the widow and her sons filled their house with empty jars and containers, all that they could find. And the miracle was that this tiny bit of oil that she had, it kept flowing and flowing and flowing. And there was more oil in the end that was beyond their wildest imagination. But when they finally ran out of space, the oil stopped. And then finally it says in verse 7, She went and she told the man of God all that had happened. And he said to her this, Go then and sell the oil and pay off your debts. And then you and your sons can live on what's left. Just when it seems like it was all going to be pretty bleak and there were no other options, God comes through and he provides. But here's the point of the story that I'm going to bring out. When you run out of space, it just stops. When you run out of space for God because your life is so filled up with all the wrong stuff, God stops flowing into your life because there's just no room for him in your life. And we lose our connection with him. Just like he asked that widow to trust him and to pour out all the oil that she had, everything that was valuable to her, just to pour it out, for her. he asked us to do the same thing. He asked us to pour out all the stuff that we hold on to so dearly in our lives so that he can then fill us with something more valuable. I would argue that the emptying out part is the hardest part of the Christian life. Because this is where the core of the fight for control between me and God comes in. We have jammed up our lives with so much crap that there is no capacity in the jar of our lives for God. And until we can find the strength and the faith and the courage to let go of the stuff that we hold on to so tightly, all the stuff that we pursue that has no meaning, nothing's going to change. It's this painful process of ridding ourselves of all of our desires of the wrong stuff of this world so that we can create more capacity for the right stuff and be filled up with a passion for God. The truth is, and you see it all through the story of the Bible, God wants to be the only thing in our jar. And like Lance talked about a couple weeks ago, it starts, I think, with being able to get comfortable with the Bible. And that doesn't mean that we have to understand every word, but we begin to read it, we begin to take it in and soak it in, and we may not understand some things, and it's okay, but to allow his word to begin to fill our lives. Putting God back into everything we do. And when that happens, our spirituality can get awakened again and begin to penetrate every aspect of our lives. And we can get comfortable with that. Listen to the words of Gospel of John, chapter 15. This is Jesus speaking, and Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And if a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. That is an image of a wasted life. What are we wasting our lives on? While there's a lot that's jammed up in that passage, the one word that I think that is the most important word in that passage is the word remain. Jesus promises that if we remain in him, then he will also remain in us. It's the idea that if we stay connected to Jesus, then he will abide in us. But notice, though, that he puts the onus on us, right? So he says, for us to stay connected to him, if we remain in him, if we remain in him, then he will remain in us. He doesn't force himself on us. He doesn't force us to take on a life in God. It's our choice. So how do we remain in him? How do we continue to fill the jars of our lives up with the stuff of God? That that word that is used there for remain can be translated from the original language as to stay in place, to stand against the opposition, to stay still or to endure. Most of the time there is no wow factor in our walk with God. No big wave of emotion that causes us to grow. No Magical formula. No big mystery. It's just plain old walking every day in Jesus. Day in, day out, standing firm, and remaining in Jesus. If 10% of our Christian faith is being able to overcome and endure through the hard times, the times of crisis, the times when our faith is challenged, then 90% of our Christian faith is just the everyday part, right? It's just the everyday filling the jars of our lives up with the right stuff. It's just like showing up to church on a Sunday morning. This is the one place where you don't have to feel guilty about not showing up. We don't put any pressure on you at all. It's not about us. It's about you. But God didn't create the church for no good reason. And when we put the church on the back burner of our lives, it shows. Because we lose that connection. It's about showing up when we're here during the worship time. To get lost in those moments of worship where we just sing praise. And we have these vertical moments where we're caught up in who God is. And it reminds us of who we are. And to allow yourself to sing praises to God. It's about showing up during the offering time where all the stuff that we hold on to so tightly in this material world, this is the practice of the letting go of this world each and every week as we have an offering. And that is what helps to strengthen our faith and creates capacity for us to fill up with God. It's about showing up in a community group, a group of people who are in the same bucket and we're just going to struggle together. And we're going to work together. And we're going to walk together just to get through it every day. Remaining in Jesus is about showing up every day in the Bible. Again, not that we have to understand it all, but just to allow the words of, the, of, of God to fill our souls until it becomes more and more a part of who we are and more comfortable. Same thing with prayer. To get rid of the uncomfortability we have with prayer And to be able to sit with our families, our kids, our wives, our husbands, and be able to pray together. It's so uncomfortable for so many of us, but to be able to make that a normal part of who we are. The biggest part of the Christian life, and the most difficult part, is to empty ourselves out of all the meaningless stuff that we fill our lives with all the time and begin to fill our jars up with the stuff of God by just showing up 90% of the time, day in, day out. And it's not just one of those things that makes it happen. It's all of those things together. It's the entire package that contribute because what we're doing here is we're creating a new lifestyle. We're creating a way to live that is connected and vibrant in the presence of God and we remember who we are really. That we are not created for this world. Our time here is quick. But we were created for something more. And to be honest with you, I face this in my own life. I am constantly filling my days up with the stuff of work and deals and i spend my time contemplating how i can make money or create new deals or and i have to fight and to scrape and to struggle to just keep my connection with god strong i have to work my rear end off all the time it's a full time job just to keep all of the stuff that shouldn't be in the jar of my life out i mean the competition for the stuff that wants to be in your jar is unbelievable. But out of all the stuff that we can fill the jars of our lives with, there's only one thing that at the end of the day has any meaning at all. And as if we looked at the pages of the scriptures, we know, generation after generation after generation. It's the story of God. And we're either going to live brilliantly or we're going to flame out and screw it all up. And that's our choice. So, if the result of this series for you is that you're heading down this path where the words of the Scriptures have penetrated your heart, and you're believing now that the Bible is true and that you want to adhere to the Word of God, then you're heading down a path That'll be very difficult. It'll be very challenging. Because it's making a decision that who I was then is not who I am now. It's making a decision that whatever it was that was in my jar, I can get rid of that stuff. And I can still, it is not too late to rediscover who I am and to fill my jar up with the right stuff so that people know who I am and who I want to be. That I want to be a child of God. And I don't care what people say. I don't care if there are times when I look foolish. But I know in my heart that I have the presence of God that fills it. Just to cut to the chase this morning, ask yourself this. And life is so fleeting. If you knew that this was one of the last days you were going to spend on this earth, What would you want to get rid of out of that jar of your life? What do you want to fill it up with that you know, that you know has meaning? How do you want to live differently? And who do you want to be? Do you really want to become that person who God breathed into you the breath of life and made you a spiritual person, a person with a spirit that is connected to God. It's not too late to discover our spiritual self and become the person that God created us to be from the in the beginning.